Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. God's dreams, our purpose, and the fears that follow. God's dreams, our purpose, and the fears that follow. I'm going to be quoting from this book throughout this series, or whoever's doing the, the Sunday will. Uh, this is written by Mark Batterson. He is a pastor, but he's also a great writer. And when I first ran across this series, which was recently, it just hit me like, oh, that's perfect. And it, it, you ever have those moments where God just speaks something into your heart? Yeah, and I just heard that this is for right now. And so I don't often do other people's messages, and it'll still be tailored to you. God gives me things that aren't in the book, that aren't a part of the series. But I just want you guys to know that this is something written by another, and I'm sharing that with his permission, of course, and uh, the graphics were his and all of that. So I don't like to take anybody else's stuff, but this is a God moment. We've gone through a lot here this past 14 years, and... This is what I'm feeling. We're in a new place. And God wants to do something different, something bigger than us. And I believe that's where we are today. So with that, I want to quote Mark Batterson. By definition, a God-sized dream will be beyond our ability, beyond your resources. Unless God does it, it can't be done. And that is precisely how God gets the glory. You know, we can, we can go about doing all kinds of things on our own. And we might even do it well. And people might even say, hey, wow, great ministry you got there. But unless it's bigger than you, who gets the glory? We do. And we don't want that. We want to give God the glory. You know, when he found me, Back in the day when I was still working at General Motors as a young man, when he found me in that factory, I was nothing. I was ready to cash it in. I was ready to finish it right there. I, I didn't even want to live anymore. And then he showed me my future, how bright it really was. And I got hold of that, and I ran with it. And I hope that some of you that are here today are going to do the very same thing. Listen to this scripture, one of our favorites. Many of you quote this. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Hallelujah. Is that good news? Can you say that with me then? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. What more can we ask for from the master of the universe, from the God who created everything around us? What more should we want? And as we begin this series, I just wanted to say that I believe in every one of you. I believe in every one of you. And it's not necessarily what you have in you now. You know, when I started with the Lord back in 1981, there was very little in me that was worth salvaging. And I just heard this over the weekend at the men's retreat, which was phenomenal, by the way. Men, be there next year. 
Plan your summer out so you can be there. We had 100 men. We had great speakers. And I want to tell you what, we had a blast. And the fish were biting on Lost Valley Lake. Don't tell Tony. Troy caught a 20-inch bass. It was awesome. We were like, yes! That was just God's blessing because we took time out. I felt that. I felt that. We caught like 50 fish. I was like, oh, my shoulder hurts today. Yeah, anyway. I believe in you. I believe in the God in you. And he's got something for you. He's got something bigger and better. Something that we can't do on our own. And this is where I wanted to say this. The Lord has brought us together for such a time as this. We are better together, stronger together, and together we can achieve God-sized dreams. How big are God's dreams? Infinite. Infinite. No matter what we may come up at, come at, no matter what may come at us, together as we hold each other up, and you know that's important, right? As we pray for each other, as we invest in ministries together, there's nothing that God can't do. And it'll be greater than what we could do by ourselves. And I've discovered through this teaching, and as I've been studying this out, that our destinies literally tie us together. And one person's dream feeds another person's dream, and that person's dream feeds another. And you just see this beautiful, harmonious picture begin to come together. It's almost like God's up there just putting all those little puzzle pieces in place. And you know what? The picture's almost done. I hope you realize that Jesus is coming back for his church. And everything, as I understand Scripture to the best of my abilities, and those who are scholars in the Christian community, we all feel that it could be at any moment. So what should we be doing? Packing our bags? No. Making sure that others are packing theirs. Reaching as many lost people as we can reach with the God-given abilities and the strength and the resources that he's given us. And if we're faithful with that, God will pour out a blessing that we cannot contain. Amen? And this all goes along with one of our other favorite verses. Brother Bill. <laughs> I told him I put the King James up here today. Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. <laughs> we are knit together. You may be sitting here today thinking, what am I doing? This pastor's nuts. You may not even know what church is like. Maybe it's your first time walking in the door. I just want you to know God put you here. It wasn't an accident. You're not an accident. And there is a reason that you're sitting right here today. Because he has a word for you. And he wants you to be a part of his family. We are family. I don't know where that came from. I remember that from a long time ago. 
Would you stand as we pray? Father, we are just so enamored by everything that you've done for us and in us and with us. We could just stop right here and you wouldn't have to do any more to impress us. But Lord, we are grateful that you have partnered with us, we with you, and that what you're doing here in this church today is eternally significant. Lord, we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that you would have your way with every man, woman, boy, and girl, even the babies in this building today, Lord. That you would prepare our hearts to receive from you that the soil would be tilled up, it would be good ground, and as you plant the seeds of the gospel in us, that they would not return void, but rather they would bear much fruit, and it would be good fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. We love you, and we commit this family and this message into your hands. And everybody here said, Amen. 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 You may be seated. Recently, I read an E! News article from our superintendent, Jeff Halabin, who, by the way, was one of the speakers at at, uh, camp yesterday. And he quoted John Maxwell's book, The Power of Partnership in the Church. And I wanted to to read just a little bit because this, this story is so significant, and that's what I'm sharing as a story. But he went on to say, In the latter part of the 19th century, when the Methodist Church was holding its denominational convention, one leader stood up, and shared his vision for both the church and the society at large. He told the ministers and evangelists how he believed someday men would fly from place to place instead of merely traveling on horseback. But it was a concept too outlandish for many of the members in the audience to handle. Imagine that. One minister, Bishop Wright, stood up and angrily protested, Heresy, he shouted. Flight is reserved for the angels. He went on to elaborate that if God had intended for man to fly, he would have given him wings. Clearly, the bishop was unable to envision what the speaker was predicting. When Bishop Wright finished his brief protest, he gathered up his two sons, Orville and Wilbur, and left the auditorium. Those names sound familiar to anybody else? Those were his sons, Orville and Wilbur. Mark Batterson, the author who wrote this series, he adds to this, Orville had contracted, contracted typhoid fever when he was 25, and I did not know this. For several days, he was in near-death delirium. It would be an entire month before he could sit up in bed, and several weeks before he could get out of his bed. And it may have been the best thing that ever happened to him. Have any of you ever found yourselves laid up and it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to you? Many of us. Why? Because God gets our attention. Listen to what happened. Bishop Milton Wright had an amazing library for the late 19th century. It included books on birds and how they fly. You see, Orville's brother, Wilbur, had taken an intense interest in human flight. And with Orville bedridden, (laughs) he had a captive audience. That's how brothers are, isn't it? They just pick on you when you're down. 
Wilbur read aloud to Orville, and that is how the Wright brothers crossed paths with their lion. It was from his dad's own library that Wilbur began to read about flight and eventually was convinced that man could fly, even though, as his dad put it, God hadn't given man wings. Hmm. Brother Halavin's article goes on to say, ironically, several years later, the two boys did what their father called impossible. And let me just stop here briefly. What have people said to you it's impossible to do? How many of you were in a place before Christ where you felt like there was no hope, no way out of whatever situation you were in, but now, post-Jesus, you feel like, wow, look at what God has done. Anybody else? Some of you, your hands didn't go up. Maybe you haven't met the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords yet. Maybe you've not seen the glorious works that he is willing to do for his own. If you haven't, fasten your seatbelt and join this church in this marvelous mystery of God. Hallelujah! Because these are things that he's reserved for his people. And when you become one of his own, there's nothing he won't do for you as long as it lines up with his word. Hallelujah. Several years later, as I said, the two boys did what their father called impossible. December 17, 1903, they made four flights. The first lasted 12 seconds, but the fourth lasted 59 seconds and took them a whopping 852 feet. Doesn't seem like much. Soon the Wright brothers had built the world's first practical airplane, the Flyer 3, and by 1908 the brothers had demonstrated an improved model in France that flew 60 miles in less than two hours. Now think about it. Any horseback people in here? How fast does a horse typically go? I mean, without wearing them out. 25 miles an hour. Is that a pretty good cant, or is that... That's pretty fast. So they went 60 miles in two hours, which, you know, may not seem like a lot, but they didn't have all this going on. <laughs> Been there, done that, eh? The two, the two brothers partnered together to accomplish the impossible and in the process changed the world. With everything going on around us today, it wouldn't even be possible without Jesus, excuse me, without what these men did with flight. Batterson concluded this thought. Considered impossible by many, the Wright brothers changed history when they paved the way for human flight. At any given moment, on any given day, 5,000 airplanes carrying a million passengers are flying through the troposphere at 300 miles per hour and more, and it all started with a dream. It always does. Wilbur Wright repented of his unbelief in the possibility of human flight and, of course, the rest is history. What can God do when we give him room to move in our lives? Christian author A.W. Tozer said, God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things that we can do ourselves. I'm here to challenge you today. I believe it's God, the Holy Spirit, doing this through me 
You may just think it's me, whichever. I don't care if it gets to you. The Lord wants to do the impossible. He is getting his church ready for his return. And that means big things have to happen quick. Is he capable? He is if his church is willing to give him the room to move. And if I say nothing else, catch that part. If we're willing to let God use us in miraculous, impossible ways, he can do amazing things. But we've got to move out of the way and begin to let him do what he wants to do in us. How many of you have ever dreamed of something so much bigger than yourselves? Anybody ever dream as a kid? Did you, did you dream of normal stuff? You know what my dream was? And listen, if I parked it, God forgive me. I dreamt that I came up with a car that could fly. And I don't mean like the kind that has the wings that do all this, but it had to do with magnetics and all that other stuff. And it, it might, maybe it's a pipe dream. I have no idea. But this much I do know. God puts dreams in us that he wants us to fulfill. But in order to do that, we have to dare to step outside of ourselves, similar to this picture, and look at the whole scheme of things, what it is God's trying to do. Why are you where you are today? And what is God trying to do through you, through your circumstance, through your situation? It might be your job, the school you're in, whatever. But God wants to do something spectacular in and through your life. But here's the thing, we have to be willing to get out of the way we have to be willing to give God full charge of everything that we're about. And when you're willing to do that, God can do the miraculous. What holds our dreams back from becoming reality? In my opinion, humble opinion, we do. We do. There are people out there that don't want you to succeed. Some are very close to you. Others you may not know all that well, but listen, by nature, we're not typically the kind of people that if you share your dreams with someone, they're going to be going, hey, high five, man, let's see it done. No, usually it's the other way, isn't it? Are you nuts? I remember when I worked for uh, Waverly Schools years ago, I was a youngster, 17, 18 years old. My first, I won't call it real job because I had real jobs, but my first job that I had to work 40 hours a week. And I cleaned a school, a middle school. I made decent money for that time. And then somebody came to me and said, hey, have you ever been interested in working at General Motors? What is it? I didn't know. I mean, I'd heard of Oldsmobile, but I didn't, never really gave it a thought. And this guy says, I think I can get you in there. I'm like, really? What kind of money do they make? And he told me, and I'm like, wait a minute. That's like two or three times what I'm making now. Yeah, I think I'd like that. Well, I made the mistake of going back and telling some of the guys that I worked with. Are you crazy? 
That's the worst thing you can do. You know, if you work for them, you'll be laid off in six months. There's no security. Here you've got security. I almost listened. They scared me. But you know what? I decided to go through with it. I put my, my application in, and I got hired. And I made three times more money than those guys did. In six months, I made more than they made in a couple years. And I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, if I'd listened to them, it's not always about the money. I know that, too. But in this case, my family needed it. We were just starting out, and it was a good thing for us. But if I'd listened. Then my wife and I, later on, after we were born again, we heard from the Lord. Norm, I want you to go to full-time ministry. <laughs> cool. What's that mean? You've got to leave your job. You've got to go to school. You've got to pick your family up and leave all this security so you can follow after me. How many know you're going to fast and pray a little bit about that? Or a lot, as we did. But my wife and I came into agreement, yes, this is what God's calling us to do. And everyone we asked, we literally walked into a prophetic event. We were late with another, we walked in with another couple, sat in the very back, and this prophet had just started the meeting, and he looks in the back and he says, that couple, stand up. And we're like, you must mean them. So the other couple stood up. No, not you two, the other couple meaning my wife and me, we stood up. And he started out. God has a plan for you. You are being called into the ministry, and your ministry is going to be a joint ministry, and God is going to use you in miraculous ways. Now let me tell you something. If that doesn't charge you, nothing will. Because nobody knew why we were there, and that was exactly why we went. We needed to hear from God. And that put us over the top. Okay. <laughs> so I resigned my position. I went and I told my dad. I loved my dad. I love my dad, even though he's with Jesus now. And at the time, he didn't get this. His son, Norm, had the best job in the family at the time. I worked at General Motors. I worked in the engineering facility. I made really good money. Full benefits retirement it was awesome and now I'm gonna quit so I can go to school to be a preacher my dad looked at me and he goes you're a fool was he trying to be mean-spirited no he knew that I had a good thing and he didn't want to see me throw it away he was trying to protect me but here's the thing my dad couldn't have understood what it meant to have a God dream. Something that was so much bigger than me that all the security and all the other stuff got thrown out the door. He couldn't have known that. He always played it safe. God bless him. I love him. But if we hadn't gone through that door, where would we be today? Where would this church be today? As, as far as that goes. Hallelujah. Obviously, we didn't listen to the naysayers in our life. We followed after what God was trying to do. 
What's God been trying to do to you? With you? It's bigger than you. You know what we have to get out of the way of? You. <laughs> Everybody take your finger and point at yourself. Say you. <laughs> you. You. Yeah. Have you been afraid to do that thing? Hmm. Don't answer that. But I suspect there are many in this room that are. You've been afraid. It might even be to take that first step into the kingdom. There's a line right here. You can't see it, but it's as simple as this. I just went over the line. I'm serving Jesus. But you can't do this. Foot in the world, foot in Jesus. It never works. It's never pretty. You're going to get messed up. It will mess you up. Commit to him. Get on his team. Begin to serve him and him alone and, and let him do the miraculous in you. What does God want to do in you? Get out of his way and let him do it. And see if he isn't going to do amazing supernatural things. Don't listen to the devil. And, and I'm sorry that these are side by side. Or your well-intentioned friends or family as I've already discussed. Because sometimes the devil and your well-intentioned family and friends can sound similar, as I just described my own situation. Who do we listen to? The Holy Spirit. Who Jesus sent to guide you. And you will discover things you couldn't have known on your own. Hallelujah. Pray those things through. If you feel like God's put something on your heart, pray it through. Get confirmation, just as we did. And it wasn't just that prophet that spoke into us. There were so many others. You know, if you're really looking for an answer to, from God, he is going to give it to you. And it will come from godly people. I mean, you don't want to go to your drunk friend and ask him, hey, you think I should serve Jesus? It's probably not going to be what you need to hear. Maybe to your wise mom or dad, you know, if you're in that situation. Or whatever it might be. Some of you may be called into full-time ministry. It's not for the faint-hearted, but God is calling people. Whether it's to be pastors, whether it's to be evangelists, whether it's to be teachers, prophets, etc. Pray those things through. Get confirmation. Go after them like Benaiah, son of Jehoiada when he went after his 500-pound lion. That was the caricature that you saw at the beginning of this message. I want to read today from 2 Samuel 23. I'll put it up behind me. If you have your own sword, you can turn there. 2 Samuel 23, beginning with verse 20. And I'm going to be reading from the New Living Testament. This is kind of a, the, the main passage of Scripture, if you will that goes with chasing the lion. You ready for this? Verse 20, there was also Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant warrior from Kabil. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time, just kind of throwing it out there, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. Wow. 
Another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. Now, if I was just reading this, I would have skipped right over that, kept going. Because the rest of what he did was really cool, too. Once armed only with a club, he killed a great Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. Deeds like these made Benaiah as famous as the three mightiest warriors. He was more honored than the other members of the 30, though he was not one of the three. And David made him a captain of his bodyguard. To me, he sounds almost like Superman. On a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and he killed it. This dude is courageous, to say the least. Benaiah seemed to have no fear, at least not of a 500-pound lion. I doubt many of us would have the guts to jump into a dark pit with the roar of a lion down at the bottom of it. But do you have the guts to jump into a 500-pound God-given dream? Do you have the guts <laughs> to jump into a 500-pound God-given dream? Here's the big idea of this message. The only way to take, excuse me, the only way to tap your God-given potential to fulfill your God-ordained destiny is to chase 500-pound lions. Anybody else going to go, woohoo? When I first read this, I was like, really? 500 pound lion. Anybody here ever face off with a 500 pound lion, by the way? No hands going up. Well, I, I just wanted you to get just a, a little clue of what it might be like. So if Mandy would uh, cue that up and go ahead and play that. This is just a little clip somewhere in Africa. Photographer and his wife were. Here, kitty, 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 kitty. Isn't that cute? Oh, yeah. Can you hear the nerves there? His wife goes, if we played it a little longer, his wife goes, okay, stop it. We need to go. She probably just soiled herself. <laughs> 500 pound lion. Why does this book challenge us with a 500 pound lion? Might be this. Chasing your God dreams, your 500-pound lion dreams, aren't always going to be easy. And at times, it might even be downright scary. And I believe it is often scary to follow the Lord. Ask some of the saints that went ahead of us who lived during a time when there was terrorism against them, where if they confessed the name of Jesus to anyone but themselves and their own family, they might find themselves impaled on a stake, wrapped in pitch, and lit on fire, so the good emperor might have a way to see his palace 
in the evening. That's a God-sized dream, and you better have that if you're one of his followers. It's not always that bad, but let's face it, sometimes to follow the King of kings and Lord of lords, it's not easy. When we became, when we wanted to become ministers many years ago, it required us to do things that we weren't used to doing, like leaving everything behind. And I've talked about this a little bit, but stop and think, family, friends, security of that good-paying job, that was just the start of what we left behind. And once we went through the doors that God had opened, you know, I cannot tell you how many things we were up against on a daily basis. Our faith walk had to be consistent. We couldn't just take a day off because every day the enemy was trying to buffet us and prevent us from achieving that God-given dream. We faced financial challenges, health problems, and even loneliness. Have any of you ever lived far away from your own families? Is it lonely? We were 700 miles away. I, I honestly, I almost forgot who my folks were. And every now and then, they'd, hey, we'd like to come and see you. Oh, really? And I just became a bowl of emotional jelly because I hadn't seen them in so long. What a joy to reconnect. But listen, God called us to go to Springfield, Missouri to get our education so we could become pastors. And we gave everything up to do that. And I'm not telling you this so that you'll go, Oh, sorry, Pastor. That's not my intention here. It's to show you that there is a cost to serving Him. There is a cost to running with those God-given dreams. And it's not always easy. But you will benefit better, more so, on the other side if you don't ignore him and do what he's asking you to do. There were times I almost gave up. Maybe my wife felt that way too. I don't know. She never let me know that if she did. It wasn't easy. What would have happened if Barb and I hadn't attacked our 500-pound lion, or the dream that God had given us. Someone else would be in front of you today leading this church. Assuming that that person or couple had the fortitude not to give up when they discovered how upside down this church really was back in 2002. It was no small task to see this church right, right side up again. And to God's glory and with your help, we've made it there. We're on the other side, and, and I'm telling you, we're pushing fast. We're moving. The momentum is there. The thrusters are going, and we are taking off for Jesus today. Hallelujah. But if Barb and I hadn't, hadn't gone after our dreams, and listen, we probably would have been fine. The Lord would have done something else in our life. We would have been fine. I would have retired seven, eight years ago. <laughs> I think about that once in a while. <laughs> but I serve Jesus. My treasures are going into my heavenly bank account. And when that day comes, you know what? Yeah, I probably would have had a whole bunch in my 403B, 401K, IRA, whatever else I invested in way back in the day. However, I know my bank account in heaven's overflowing right now. 
because we listened to him and we followed that God-given 500-pound dream that he laid on our hearts back in 1987 and 1988. How many wouldn't have come to Christ if we hadn't listened and hadn't had the grit to go ahead with what he laid on us? And I knew others who were called but didn't follow the same path. And I'm not going to say that when they get to heaven, God's going to go, ooh, you blew it. That wouldn't be much of a heaven, would it? But how many aren't going to be in heaven? Because others didn't listen. And I want to say we're so blessed. (laughs) I wish my youngest were here, but he had to work late. Uh, He actually did security at camp last night for Tony. All our boys are presently serving Jesus. Our oldest son is pastoring in Onaway, Michigan, doing a great job with he and his wife, Shannon. My son, Joe, and his wife, Angela, they're on the board at their church in Holt. She works diligently in the children's ministry, and she's one of the best. I've tried to get them up here. She is an awesome storyteller. I just love her stories. And then, of course, you guys all know Andy and Sarah who are very involved here at the Hope. And by God's grace, we've had the privilege of our son Troy, our youngest, joining our team here in Gaylord, and he too is a real asset to the Lord's kingdom. Bless the Lord. But none of this would have happened had Barb and I not went after that 500-pound lion that was in front of us. So if you're new to Christ, this may sound a little foreign to you, And you might be going, huh? 500-pound wine, 500-pound dream, what's that all about? It makes us think bigger than who we really are. It makes us stop and say, all right, the master of the universe, he's healed me from my sins. Now he's pouring his Holy Spirit in me, and now he's given me all these challenges, these these little things to go through. And, and, And I wanted to share this verse here. Jesus Excuse me, Joel said, 2, 28, 29, After doing all these things, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. And in those days, I will pour out my Spirit, even on servants, men and women alike. I just want everybody here to know you all have a destiny. You have a God-given destiny now we don't always follow that destiny there are always two paths for us to take every time God's way and our way our way and God's way whatever we have to choose God gives us free will what kind of God who really loves us would make us do something we don't want to do So we have a choice. Is my destiny going to be man-made or God-made? I hope you're going to choose God's path, but often we don't. Somebody said, if, if you notice something doesn't work and you keep doing it over and over and over and over, what does that make you? Foolish, right? Why would you do the same thing over and over and over and over that never gets results when you know what God's telling you to do? 
His Spirit's drawing you. He loves you. He loves me. Even in my brokenness, He still loves us. What does God have in store for you? Can you dream big dreams? Are you still stuck in the squalor of your own humanity? He wants to give you dreams and visions for your life. He wants to pour out His Spirit upon you. For what? So you can go to church for an hour and a half on Sunday? Forgive me, but that would be a five-pound dream. He wants to use you Monday through Sunday. He wants to see you grow in faith and maturity. And he wants you to lead your family in faith and maturity. His dreams are always bigger than we are. Always. With God, the impossible is not impossible. Hear this. If you're faithful with the little things, God will increase what he's asking you to do. And, you know, I go back to the story of where I started, and we've got so many new ministries being birthed here right now, like ushering and so on. And in the church that I came out of in Lansing, our ushers, back then they were the redcoats. We had to wear dark slacks, white shirt, a nice tie, and then they gave us our red coat. And you'd walk into Mount Hope, and here were a hundred, in the morning service, there were a hundred ushers, <laughs> red coats. And we weren't British. <laughs> but we were stationed in our place to serve him. And I believe that's what helped usher in the Holy Spirit because there was order. Because we were the gatekeepers. We were the protectors of that flock. And the enemy did not dare to bust into that place because he knew what would happen. He looks for churches that aren't prepared. He looks for churches that just allow anybody to just step out in the Spirit. Whoa, I got it weird for you. You ever, you ever been in one of those? And you're like, that ain't from God. The Lord does everything decent and in order. His church was established on that principle. And the people that make the church are the ones that bring that decent and orderly atmosphere. So you can enjoy the service. You can shut your eyes and look up at heaven knowing that that person next to you isn't going to steal your purse. Because the ushers are all watching. <laughs> we had that happen a lot, so I'm, I'm just... Anyway. Here's what I, where I was going with that before I got sidetracked. I had to learn that I could be faithful as an usher before God could call me as a pastor. He put me in places, and, and I did get promoted. Uh, I did evening service, and I was promoted to usher captain, which was a big deal. I had 50 men and women under me. And every evening before service, we'd get there a half hour early. We'd have a short devotion and then pray. And I'm telling you, you felt the Holy Spirit there. And then we went out. That prepared me for the next call when the Lord called us to be pastors. If I hadn't been faithful in that first position, 
I would have never been able to jump into the next. And this has happened to me throughout our career. I can't explain. There's so many times the Lord did one thing over here, a little thing, only to help us to get to this bigger thing over here. One more. When we first started in uh, Lakeland, Florida, little teeny church, we said, we'll do whatever. I thought he was going to make me the head usher. He made me the head of children's. Not where I was going, because I'd never taught kids before. 1991. My wife and I heard from the Lord. He gave us creative ideas. And I'm telling you, he birthed something in us that it was impossible for us to do it, because we'd never done it. It was all God. Even up to the point of seeing a tigger on the way home from work one day, big orange tiger that was about this big, and I as soon as I saw it, I knew it was for our children's ministry, and I ran up. I said, how much for the tigger? Five bucks. That was like a $100 tigger. <laughs> and I grabbed him, and I said, thank you so much. I'm going to use this in our church. And they're looking at me like, we took it, we hung it from the ceiling. Tigger. Those kids came in the next Sunday. Oh, what's that? He represents our ministry. From now on, we're going to have Tigger tokens. And we went out, we bought, we, we lived right next to a Popco, which has all these little, like, Oriental Trader stuff. Cheap junk, but kids don't care, okay? And we, we did this, this little uh, store, and we made Tigger tokens. If they brought their Bibles, they got a Tigger token. If they brought a friend, they got a Tigger token. If they prayed or learned their uh, Bible verse that week, they got a Tigger token. And it added up. We went from about 10 children to start with. Within six months, we were over 60 children. And our adult service grew exponentially too because all those people were bringing their kids. Then I got the call. <laughs> Norm, how'd you like to come back to the home church and do children's ministry? Pastor Dave, you know what? If I hadn't taken that step, if we hadn't taught those children in that little church in Lakeland, I would have never been able to even entertain the thought of becoming a children's pastor in Lansing, Michigan of a ministry that had 500 children to start with. We couldn't have done it. But because God gave me something to do and we did it, He gave me a God-sized dream that was way bigger than me and we did it. Less than a year later, we're in Lansing, Michigan, growing the children's ministry there. Let me share these passages of Scripture and then I'm just about ready to close. Luke 16.10, if you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones. That's God's statement about you. If you're not faithful in the little things, the other side of this is true. You get it? You with me? Luke 19.17, we all want to hear this. Well done. You are, you are a good servant. Why? You've been faithful with the little. You've been faithful with the little. What I've given you to do, you've done it. Now I'm going to grow you. I'm going to give you a bigger vision, a bigger dream for what I want to do in your life and the ministry that you're in. Hallelujah. They're not all leaving because they're mad. 
They're the ones doing snackies. Thank you, by the way. Love you guys. And I want you to know age has nothing to do with this. Young or old, God will use you. Some of you are in your 50s or 60s, 70s or 80s. By the way, happy anniversary to Gene and Carol, 61 years. Woohoo! Hallelujah! And yesterday was Steve and Tammy's 40th. We're a whole week ahead of them. <laughs> well, six days, actually. Age has nothing to do with it. Caleb was 80 when he entered the promised land. Abraham was 100 <laughs> before he got his kid. I'm thankful that wasn't me. <laughs> Don't use the excuse, I'm too old for God to do anything with me. That's not true. I used this word before, but get some grit. Pray, ask the Lord, what do you want to do with me? And that's how I'm going to close in just a minute. What do you want to do with me? A couple of quotes. It's not our sin that we need to repent of. It's our small dreams. And I add it as well. The size of your dream may be the most accurate measure of the size of your God. You catch that? You know, two weeks ago we talked about investing. We talked about how if you show me your checkbook, I can tell you where your priorities are with God. This is also true. You want to know how big your God is? How big are your dreams that you're chasing after? Second quote. God-sized dreams will always be beyond your ability, beyond your resources. Unless God does it, it cannot be done. But that's how God gets the glory. If your dream doesn't scare you, it's too small. It also falls short of God's glory by not giving him an opportunity to show up and to show off his power. Now I'm assuming that many of you have been in this place where you've been in those scary situations and God said, yeah, I want you to do this. And you're just sitting there going, oh, use her. Kathleen's here. Use her. By the way, thank you for playing. Tim's here. Use him. Anybody but me, Lord. But Norm, I gave you the dream. I gave you the vision to do this. And I've created you for such a time as this. You're the perfect fit. But you've got to set aside your fears. God, God did not give us a spirit of fear, did he? One of power and of love and of a sound mind or sound discipline. Whichever way you want to read that. He wants to do big things in us. But we've got to let him. We've got to let him show off. Would you stand? What dreams does God want you to dream? Some of you may be here today and say, I don't dream. <laughs> 
Ask him. Ask him. Lord, give me a dream for my life. Give me a vision for my future. What does God want to challenge you to do? How has he created you and for what purpose has he given you? And listen, if you're young, don't think I'm skipping over you. In fact, you guys are the ones God really wants to hear this. Because your whole future's ahead of you. And God used, as we shared last Sunday, he used little people and big people as well. He used three-year-olds. He used 12-year-olds. He didn't wait till they were 40 and well-matured. Uh-uh. He'll give you the dreams if, if you'll only ask. Right? Right. God's got something special for you. Hang on, man. If you're willing to dream it, he'll see it come to pass. And you may be one of those just like Orville and Wilbur. People are going to tell you you're nuts. Don't listen to him. If it's a God dream and he's confirmed it, and this, this is the last thing I want to share, only you can answer whether or not it's from the Lord. And, and this is, only you can determine whether something is a God-sized dream or just a pipe dream. Only you. Nobody else can decide that. If God's given it to you to do, then you need to be faithful. Be faithful in the little things. Eventually, you're going to see that thing grow and grow and grow. I never, ever would have thought that I'd be a pastor of a, a good church in northern Michigan. I never dreamed that I'd be the presbyter of the whole northern section. These are God things, not norm things. Way bigger than me. And you know what? He has been so faithful in my life. And he's never let me down as long as I've been willing to go through those open doors. The God-sized dream is realized when you get something in your spirit that you cannot shake, and it's always so much bigger than anything that you can do on your own. It may be a job the Lord wants you to go after. For some of you, it might be like me working in the janitorial versus working at General Motors. Or it may really be huge, and he might be calling you to move. Maybe he called you here. And maybe you've already gone through that first process. Just be faithful. Be faithful in the little things. He may want you to start a company that builds things that nobody else has ever built. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Hopefully you do that. You, you thrive, you flourish, and then you tithe here at Mount Hope. It may be God wants you to go into full-time ministry as, he's, as he called us so many years ago. Or you might be right where God wants you. He just wants you to continue being faithful with what he's given you to do. Once you get that Holy Spirit nudge, and how many know what I'm talking about? You can't ignore it, because it keeps gnawing at you until you do what he's telling you to do, or you're going to be miserable. Once you get that nudge, just continue being faithful with it, and you'll see him do miracles in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The final quote. 
this message in the series that we're in, Chasing the Lion, is a call to repent of your small dreams and your small God. It's also a dare to go after a dream that's bigger than you. So, I don't know where everybody is here today. But I suspect many of you right now are feeling the Holy Spirit's nudge and you're, you're just saying, man, I knew you were going to get me today, Lord, and you did. I'm feeling that conviction. And that's not a bad thing, by the way. Condemnation's a bad thing, but conviction, that's just trying to get us to do what God wants us to do. And I'm just going to ask you, every eye open, every head up, if God's challenging you today, if your God is smaller than he should be, and you know it, and you want to make that change today, I want you right here. Get up here, right now. Come on, don't wait. We could all be eating snackies in two minutes. If you need Jesus, get up here. If you've been living in sin, get up here. I'll pray for you. You don't even have to raise your hand. Just get up here. I want everybody right with God. I want these God dreams. You know what this says to me? <laughs> if God does the exponential, which he does, if one can put a thousand to flight, two, ten thousand, that's exponential, right? So look, at, look around here. Look at this. What can God do with this group right here? What can he do? <laughs> I'm excited. And this is just the beginning. And, and I want you just continue to be humble. Don't, don't ever be one of those that says, you see what I did? Uh-uh. Always, always give God the glory. Give him the credit. He can work off of that. When we start to... I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but when we start being like Saul, Roger, we talked about that today. Yeah, look what I did. Wait a minute. Didn't God call you? Weren't you hiding in the baggage when he called you? You were afraid, but he gave you everything you needed, and you came out, you became king, and you had great excerpts, and then you start taking the credit. What happened then? <laughs> his, his ministry, his kingship went down the toilet. Because he wasn't giving God the glory. So that's, that's one of the keys. Give God the glory. Second part is get out of your own way. Take that finger. Point it at yourself. Say you. Get out of the way. Can you do that? Take your finger. Come on all of you. You. Get out of the way. Now you're speaking to yourself. And I know it's not proper English. But I don't care. You have to get out of the way. And begin to let God move. I want to pray. Father, we thank you for everything you're doing in this people. Some are from Saginaw. Some are from other places. Lord, you've called them here. I pray they take this same spirit right with them, the same anointing right with them, Lord, that the dreams that you're giving us today will be bigger than us. If there are people here that have never dreamed, never had visions, Lord, I pray that they would today. 
that they would this week, that they would this month, that as they sleep, you would begin to reveal to them these God moments, how bright their future really is in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that they would be faithful with the little, that you've, the place you've already put them, help them to be faithful. And then as you add to it, Lord, I believe that you will get the glory and much will be accomplished through these people. Now I pray for any that might be here today. Would you pray this with me? Dear Lord, if there's anything between us, any kind of sin, forgive me. I put my faith and trust in you. I want to do great things for the kingdom. I want to serve you all the days that I have left. Now help me to be faithful, to study the Bible, to pray as you give people, put people on my mind. Help me to be faithful in this church or whatever church I'm from. And Lord, today, I acknowledge for me, this stuff's impossible. But for God, nothing is impossible. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Listen. I don't know what the Lord's going to do. And I, I, as I said, this is the first week of five. But I am expecting it's going to grow every single week. We have got to invite people to hear these messages. Not, not just because I'm saying it. I don't mean that. They need Jesus before he comes back. So let's reach out to people and say, hey, We've got awesome worship. We've got music that when they play, you don't, you don't go, oh, when they hit the wrong key. Thank God for that. We've got people that are friendly most of the time. And the pastor, he's okay too. Most of the time. Unless you see me before 9 a.m. without coffee. As some of you did this weekend, I'm sorry, Steve. He brought me coffee. God bless you, man. 7 a.m., he walked in with the coffee. You are awesome. I say that just to say, watch out. Get something expected in you because God's doing a new thing. <laughs> you guys, you too, Sally and Greg, when you go home to your other home, for the nice weather. God's going to, he's going to use you. You're going to take whatever it is we're getting here. There's an anointing. Would you breathe this in? <sighs> breathe it in. You're breathing in the anointing right now. I feel it. It's here. There's an anointing. There's a richness in the Holy Spirit. Are you excited? Go get those God dreams and go after them. Amen. Lord, we are grateful for everything you're doing here. Keep us safe in our coming and our going. Lord, we know our destiny, Lord, is to reach the lost and to bring them into the kingdom. Put people in our path that we can witness to, share our testimonies with, pray for, Lord. You do all of that in us. Give us new God-sized dreams. Birth them in us and then help us to go after them. We love you, Lord, and we commit this church and its future into your hands. And I mean capital C. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Make sure you get to know somebody you haven't met before.
Have a great week in Jesus. We love you. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylorChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.